to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands, I'm the Senior Editor at B2B Marketing, and I'm joined today by Brian McCready, who is the Head of Marketing at Adelshaw Goddard. And Brian was actually our first ever guest on the B2B Marketing Podcast just a couple of years ago. So Brian, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, for anyone who hasn't had the pleasure, can you just, you know, please introduce yourself and, and give us a bit of an overview of your experience in B2B? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, hi everyone. I'm uh, yeah Brian McCready. I'm head of marketing at Adelshaw Goddard, uh, who's a big international law firm. Um, we specialise in trying to find the smartest way to help clients deliver the biggest impact in their world. But um, I've, I've been doing B2B marketing for about 25 years. I was marketing director at Getty Images previously, senior marketing roles in businesses like AT&T and Telecoms World, and uh, it, it's just been a, a wonderful, surprising journey. Long may it continue. Of uh, managed to work all around the world I've been shouted at I've been offered bribes it's been a really spectacular journey so uh, I, um, I I love my role great well maybe we'll get into some of those bribes later on <laughs> um so you are of course uh, a member of Propolis which for everyone listening who maybe doesn't know that's our exclusive community platform where marketers can learn from the experts and, and share and learn uh, all about B2B with their peers so um, before we get into the, the main questions, what really attracted you to joining Propolis in the first place? You know, was it a particular aspect or was it just the whole the whole package? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a simple answer. I just hate missing out. It's a really good network of people that are facing the same problems as me and, and, and some, you know, people with some fresh ideas. So, yeah, I just didn't want to miss the fun. And uh, but but. I guess as a slightly more serious answer, there's, you know, we're all regaled constantly, have been for years with things like content marketing and ABM and tech, and you hear almost nothing else. And there's a good smattering of that on Propolis, right? Um, but but what I liked about it um, was that there are other more important things, like there's a strategy stream, which there's some skills on there, which I think, you know, surveys have shown that a number of marketers, we need to improve our skills on, and, and, and it's got a broader spectrum of material than you're getting in other places, which, which appealed to me. So yeah, I was really pleased and I was, I was delighted to be invited to be an ambassador for it, for its creative and its campaign stream. So yeah, bring it on. It's a good network. Fantastic. And uh, obviously being a member of Propolis, you actually recently took part in a round table, um, which was all about how to encourage creativity for in-house marketing teams, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So you mentioned that you've done everything from sending fish to people, uh, working with a stig from Top Gear, um, and my personal favourite, even writing poetry for your law company. So um, can you maybe just talk us through a few of these campaigns? Could be could be some great inspiration for anyone listening. Yeah, I think I've tried to push boundaries as hard as I can wherever I've been. I think it's important if we want to stand out from crowds. Um, yeah, so some of the stuff, we've, we've created video games, you know, we've run Picasso-inspired campaigns. I've sent sent fortune cookies to some extraordinarily wealthy people uh, as as a stunt, and and we've haunted some clients. So that there's been a lot, but I guess yeah, yeah. In case it helps anyone, just to share a few of the examples. So the the, the fish mailing, there was sponge fish, not real live fish in the post. That would be a bit. Bit, bit tough but that was for a specialist telecoms company that built uh, submarine fiber optic cables between continents for big 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 users of bandwidth like google and samsung and telecoms companies and we just simply wanted to let uh, the buyers of our service know that the biggest baddest fastest most reliable thing in the oceans weren't fish it was our fiber optic network it was a simple way of getting noticed and and you know we were still getting asked for more fish years later by potential buyers so 
So that resonated. Uh, something working on right now. We've in, we've we've invited six fairly well-known poets to write poems about the law, which might not sound that interesting, but it's been really quite fascinating. So, you know, we've we've had poets interview some of our biggest clients, some of the biggest brands in the world, people like BT and HSBC and Standard Chartered. We've had Sky News involved and others, and and we've written poems about the role of the law in the economy or what it's like to be a client that's in the middle of a massive dispute or a massive acquisition and we've just recorded what what you know what words have come to the the poets um and you know so far it's going really really well we've in a fairly small target audience you know we had about you know 65,000 video views we had one poem about the laws that Santa might be breaking that got about 13,000 reads just that one poem on LinkedIn so you know we've had at least eight or nine thousand different people from different companies have read the stuff so it's just proven to be to go really well maybe just for one last example before i kind of sum up what what i think the lesson is for for me um yeah, there was one that we did. We did a legal risks. We did a seminar on the legal risks associated with refurbishing big offices. So it was a big B two B real estate thing. Um, and to kind of make the point, um, when people came to our seminar, we we created these three D movies of buildings transforming that we projected on big nine foot tall screens to kind of really give people a wow factor event and experience. All the while, while we were imparting, and these are the risks that you might face if you do this for yourself. But just to really the icing on the cake is while they were sitting there, we actually rebuilt the web, the seminar venue around them. We changed it from a building site while they were sitting there into a fully working ice bar. Uh, and it, it it had quite a dramatic effect on the, the attendees that, that came. And, and I was really delighted that that was named the most innovative event of the year in, in any B2C or B2B industry. Um, so yeah, there's there's been quite a lot, and and I guess the message is though that we never do these things gratuitous. They're not gratuitous. We don't do them just for the sake of it. There's always an underlying message that we want to impart. Um, you know about we have fast things in oceans, uh, or offering. You know, as a law firm now, we offer fresh perspective on the law, and that's what poetry's done. There's always a reason behind it. It's not for creativity for the sake of it. It's always to help get our messages seen and heard. Okay, great. And I, but I can imagine, you know, some of the more cynical listeners might be thinking, you know, that's all well and good. And it sounds really cool. And it sounds really interesting, obviously. Um, but what value does it actually bring to an organisation? You know, so what's the what's the business case for creativity, would you say? Yeah, so I'll share some research in a second. But the simple reality is that if you deliver the same things in the same way as your rivals and you communicate in the same way and the same things your rivals there's a name for that you're a commodity and, and the problem with commodities it means you're easily replaceable with something else that's also a commodity um, and being easily replaceable is just no formula for success so creativity you know people I don't everyone everyone's got different descriptions for it but when it's applied to comms or product innovation or our pricing, it's just about finding a different way of doing things. And and that's and the role of it isn't just idle chit chat. The important of it, is there's a lot of research now that kind of backs up the importance of it. So just looking at you know creative communications, there's literally been dozens of studies now into the role it has, and also how it works. So. Yeah, it's a fairly well-defined science and art now. So, you know, for example, I'm just going to read out a couple here. There was a study done about a decade ago, the Stockholm School of Economics, no less, did a study, and they found out that people 
uh, respond better and think more favorably of of brands that think uh, that communicate more creatively uh, and more evocatively. So yeah, that's just one piece of academic research. McKinsey have done several on this, and and I quote them: "You know, creativity is a company's best bet. You know, they've they've demonstrated." that there's a strong correlation between companies that grow fast and the creativity of their communications. And, and there's a bunch of others, but I'll just name a few, Thinkbox and NC Solutions. There's, there's a bunch of businesses out there that have done studies that have proven on just about every aspect, every business effect, whether it's sales effects, sales growth, market share growth, people with more creative communications outperform people with bland communications. And and it probably you know makes common sense that that be the case. But again, there's a lot of science about why that is the case. And so neuroscientists and psychologists have, have done countless now studies over the years. Um, that said people with more creative communication, simply you're more likely to get noticed. You're more likely to get remembered. You're more likely to generate fame. And, 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 and so for one, again, just example of that, you know, it's a dumb example, but you'd notice if you got up one morning and there was an ostrich on your doorstep, you know, it, it's, it's surprising. You wouldn't have normally seen it. And, and, for all manner of evolutionary biology, our, our brains, our attention, our eyes are drawn to things that shouldn't be there, that are out of place, that look different, that we've not seen before. It's just just the way we're hardwired to be built. And so th- there's a lot of kind of brain science now that things that are different and things that stand out are more likely to get seen and more likely to get remembered if they, if they kind of evoke some sort of emotional response. And, and so, you know, I, I shared some examples about sharing, you know, sending fish to people, it's distinctive, or I use Picasso-inspired communications or, or haunting clients. You, you can do exotic stuff or you can just write your headlines of your event or your email headlines in, in a far more compelling, interesting, distinctive way. And you're much more likely to get a click and, you know, bottom line is you can't stand out from the crowd by look, doing the same thing and looking the same as the crowd. You just can't. And so honestly, creativity is a, is a superpower for us if, for both efficiency and effectiveness on just about every measure. And I guess the, the question I want to ask is, you know, creativity, like you say, is obviously still really important. It's kind of at the, the crux of good marketing. But it feels to me like the, the further marketing becomes sort of digitized and the more technology is involved, the more metrics people want to look at it sounds like you know what makes a good marketer now has become more about their ability ability to you know integrate data platforms and and demonstrate roi and all those kind of things do you think that it's almost become less important for a a marketer to be a, a marketer to be really strong on creative campaigns i mean it's obviously still really important but you think perhaps the focus isn't there I think you're right. Um, I, I think the focus has been lost, but I think that's to the detriment of our profession and to our companies and not for the gain of it. I think we've been distracted by lots of things. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that creativity is the number one thing for us, but it's one of a number of key skills that, that we that we have to have. Um, you know, and, and other ones include the ability to analyze data, the ability to do client research and customer research, the ability to build empathy, the ability to have a strategy, strategize and have a plan. We've got to be commercial. We've got to be great at analyzing and measuring results of things. So th- th- there are a great many skills that we have to master. It's a crazy profession that way. But, you know, creativity is one of them. I, I, I think there's a there's a reason why some people downplay 
creativity and some people don't think it's as important and I understand their reasons for it so some of us operate in startup businesses that have got some brand new disruptive idea and you don't need super creative communications if you've got a super disruptive product behind you and and so people that are in brand new startups they probably don't need to try as hard as others on their creative communications and their they don't need to invent new products because they've just got a brand new one um, and and there's other some marketers don't have to try too hard because the whole industry in which they operate is growing at such a rate of knots there's room for everyone and everyone can grow. You know, I, I got one at the moment. Anyone that's involved in ESG consultancy at the moment is such a vast growing area. Your comms don't need to be that creative. There's just, there's, there's, there's a piece of business out there for everyone. But, but there's a funny thing that happens to all marketers sooner or later. Either the industry that we're in starts slowing down or it starts becoming mature or more competitors enter the market. And so our product is no longer as disruptive as it used to be. And at that point, your creativity is much more important because now all of a sudden you've got to stand out from other peoples that can do the same thing as you, you know, or we have to invent brand new propositions and products. And so sooner or later for everyone, the ability to innovate, the ability to come up with new propositions, the ability to have standout communications becomes much, much, much more important. So I, I think creativity is just, it's not been lost. I just think there's some startups and some fast growing industries where it's, it hasn't been as important a lever than it is for some other mature industries. And I just think some people have maybe missed that, that the levers we pull are different depending upon the industries we're in, the companies we're in. But what is undeniable is that creativity is a source of competitive advantage in commoditized mature markets. It's, it's undeniable, I think, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's, it's not the only skill we have to master, but it's pretty damn important. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'd like to take you back all the way to uh, 2021, um, where you spoke at Ignite London, which is uh, one of our, our many B2B marketing conferences. Um, and you presented a session which was very eloquently titled, uh, anyone that says B2B stands for bland to boring can kiss my ass. So lovely. Um, it's no secret, obviously, that you know, B2C has traditionally been seen as sort of the flashier of the two. Um, but do you think that reputation is still valid? I mean, you know, is B2B now on a level with B2C when it comes to creativity? I, I don't like to compare them. And by the way, that was a really fun session. We, we, we just, for about 45 minutes, just looked at some really creative work and we had a, had a bit of a giggle in, in, in the session. And uh, I, hope, I hope my swearing wasn't too bad for people. I think I did say kiss my ass several times at that session. But um, so, I, you know, I, I don't want to denigrate B2B marketing. They're working bloody hard. They work just as hard as us. They've got just different challenges, you know, in, in the markets that they operate in. Um, you know, and all, all I can say is taking a mickey a little bit, but all I can say is, you know, they get to market toothpaste and hair gel and soup and stuff, and we get to market jet engine, cybersecurity, and skyscrapers, right? I, I, I don't think there's anything less cool about B2B. In, in, in fact, you know, I, I said this to somebody recently. You know, if you look at, you know, it's, it's going to sound a bit grandiose, this, but you know, B2B makes the world work. If you look at every single thing in every single hospital, or university, or movie studio, or music production suite, or air traffic control center, or every office, everything was put there by a B2B supplier, right? Without the B2B suppliers that we all work for, things don't happen. They just don't work. All the stuff that ends up in a supermarket got there because a B2B supplier got it there. So, you know, and I think that's pretty cool what what we do, you know. So I, I don't think B2B is any less 
flashy than than BTC. I, I, there's a really harsh adage out there, and this, this is going to hurt. It's going to cut a few people, I think. But there's there's a saying out there: there's no such thing as a boring product, just boring brands and boring marketers. And and that's that's quite tough to take. You know, we have to reflect on that. That it's not the product. It's, it's not the product that's boring. It's just that we haven't found a great way of delivering and communicating that in a, in a kind of electric visceral way. And, and so I, I, I think we marketers, it's incumbent on us to go and find the way in which we're changing a human's life. How are these products we're delivering, helping our clients, our customers, the people in those businesses do their jobs and succeed and progress and grow and and. I just just share, you know, there's all manner of really cool stuff out there. Everyone's found different ways of doing it. There's a tech company I like called Avaya, and they just, just just did some simple videos that just took the piss out of the jargon that everybody uses in, in the tech industry. It was just creative in its own little fun, humorous way, and they just found a fun way of talking. And, and you know, similarly, another one from tech that I saw recently that, you know, I've not been a coder for a while, but there's a business called Braintree that, that, that they're a development company. They, they code and develop payment systems around the world. And, and they noticed that every developer's style out there in the market is just slightly different. And they created this really cool little algorithm that just took, looked at the style of people's coding. And they created this little animal to say, this represents your style of coding. And I thought, it's just genius clever idea so every developer got their own kind of animal um and 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 it was just pretty smart i I just think people are doing some wonderful things in b2b we just most of us just don't get to see it because you know unless you work in payment systems development you're never going to see these animals right how would you so i I think b2b is absolutely a wash i think there's no limits to what we can achieve i think there's amazing stuff going on out there Brilliant. And I just want to um, do a quick plug for Ignite, actually, because we've got Ignite USA coming up and uh, Ignite London. So there's a US version and a UK version. So um, the US version is taking place both physically in Chicago and virtually on the 1st to the 3rd of June. Um, so if you'd like to register for the event, uh, the event, you can just follow the link in the description. Um, if you're UK based, meanwhile, Ignite London's probably a better fit for you. Um, and that's going to be taking place in early July. Um, as with the US event, just follow the link in the description um, if you want to find out anything more. Um, also, on that note, if you've got anything that you think really needs sharing with our Ignite London audience, we're still actually running our call for speakers. So uh, if anyone's listening and thinks I've got a brilliant idea, something that really needs to get out there, get in touch. Um, and, you know, we'd love to hear from you. So that's enough uh, about that. Brian, let's get back to the the questions. Um, and you've obviously spent the last decade working with law firms, and you know, not to play into stereotypes, but it seems to me that you know, as an industry, you might expect a certain level of seriousness and professionalism and greyness compared to other sectors. But um, you know, how do you get your clients within the legal sector to go beyond what they're used to? Does pushing them out of their comfort zone work once they've actually seen the results? Yeah. So, and by the way, I, I just back you up. I didn't know you were going to go there, but I, I, I love Ignite. I, I hate missing that one. Uh, it's, it's probably my favourite industry event of the year. So, uh, so I just back up your plug. And I'm not on the payroll, so that's uh, that's an honest update. So, yeah. So I, I have worked. Yeah, you know, I started my career. I worked in big corporates in telecoms and media for about 15 odd years. Bit in the defence industry as well, and, and then for the last 12 years, professional services and. Um, I, I don't think the legal sector is grey at all. I find it absolutely fascinating. Yeah, you know, in my time, I've been fortunate to work with some really smart, progressive lawyers. And and you plugged Ignite. I'm going to plug my firm a bit. You know, Adelshaw Goddard, where I work, they are they are a really truly imaginative, up for it group of individuals. I, I really like working with them. Um, but the, none of us 
kind of just get asked to do a bunch of creative, really out there, pushing boundaries work uh, without establishing trust. We have to earn the right, um, you know, and, and I feel I've had to earn the right to do it. Um, so just sharing maybe how I've tried to achieve that in the years, the things that I've done. So I do share academic research with 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 the people that I work with. You know, I, I'm, I'm constantly on the lookout for the latest research. You know, we, the Binet and Field stuff that we're all so familiar with now. You know, I mentioned the things from people like Thinkbox and others out that's out there. I do share uh, research with people. It gives people a sense of confidence that there is some thinking and some rigor behind the ideas that we've got. You know, evidence from previous campaigns really helps. I know we all we all use that. Um, I think we all know that running, if, if people are nervous, doing a pilot scheme or a localized experiment is a great way of trying things. So I've done that as well. I, I guess no shock there. I've also, I don't know how many of my peers in B2B marketing do this. I know it's commonplace in B2C, but I will, if, if people want to, I will run focus groups to test and experiment on ideas in, in a safe environment before we launch it on an unsuspecting world. So focus groups are are pretty helpful I find in, in some instances when we're doing something really bold but I, I guess the biggest one that I probably use more often than anything uh, to help build confidence and earn people's trust and, and to give them you know to help them realize we've got to try and push things is, is to compare and trust con- compare and contrast what we're doing um, with with rivals so to give you a, a cheeky example of that you know I, I once printed off you know something that we had written and, and something that four or five of our rivals had written and I, I stood up and I said well I'm going to read these out loud to you so I stood up in a room in front of a bunch of our partners and, and started just reading the, these articles and these updates and these descriptions and I said to people look just just stop me when you get bored right you know stop me when you've had enough and 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 they lasted about seven seconds because they're like ah oh, when you hear it out loud this is actually tedious and it just just evidenced doing that sort of thing reading stuff out loud to people they just realize oh god this is gratingly tedious let's just can't put that out and and you know what 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 i like you know the law is just like any other business it's it's a business it 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 operates in competitive markets and so whether i'm in the law you're you, you guys could be in listening it could be in tech it could be anything we're all a business we're all trying to get chosen we're all trying to get noticed and preferred and and repeat purchase we're all trying to do the same thing and and if 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 the market if the audience of our customers don't have like if there's nothing distinctive about our communications if there's nothing distinctive about our propositions if there's nothing to make us stand out from other people our businesses are suboptimal and creativity is just about becoming distinctive in terms of price or products or communications or something else from other people. It's just a business and lawyers are ridiculously smart and they get the business imperative for this in seconds because we're, it's us or somebody else. Clients are going to choose us or somebody else, which one. And if you don't stand out from the crowd, your chance of getting picked, are your likelihoods are, are, are low. So, um, yeah, they're the opposite. Great. Honestly, it's a great sector to work in. Okay, fantastic. And, you know, moving on, do you think that organisations can sometimes get too comfortable with their content strategy? Just that sense of we've always done it this way. So, you know, that's that. Um, You know, for instance, if getting other stakeholders on board is an issue, how can marketers persuade them? I guess if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If if people are getting kind of, you know, leads and conversions and revenue and profit from the tactics they're embracing go for your life right you know that's the dream so uh, i i guess 
things become stayed, if, if, if we start seeing a performance dropping off and you keep on trying to do the same things, that's the definition of insanity, I guess, in a business capacity. The, you know, I, I think if we look comparatively and try and get some benchmarks and if we're doing the same as rivals, then that's not going to help us grow our market share or steal market share. So I think that evidence is, is a great way of, of shining a light on something's got to change and just looking at other rivals and what they're doing is a great way of shining a light on look maybe we've got to try something so the tactics i spoke about before look doing experiments sharing academic research just comparing and contrasting what we do against rivals is is a is a great way of persuading people look time to shake things up i i marketing's always been about experimentation we the, no matter what anyone says you never know something's going to work until you try it you really don't um, so at some point there's got to be a leap of faith and 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 we've just got to give it a whirl um but but i do want to say one thing controversial mate um i think there's you know you, you mentioned about you know we talk about content and and i think the the firm the sorry the the industries the b2b marketing professionals got yourself in this kind of weird obsession with content bizarrely you know we're never going to stop creating content the profession our predecessors haven't you know, been producing great content for over a hundred years. It's nothing new. Uh, you know, we clearly have to be producing content to get discovered on Google and, and, and LinkedIn and, and the like. But for some reason, somewhere on the line, people, some people have lost sight that they think content is the only way of getting noticed, which is poppycock. It's there, there are so many ways to skin a cat. And I'll, I'll just give you one example of that. Um, and I could give you loads, but just one example. I, I was in a, well, it's in telecoms business, and, and one day a Chrome Spade appeared on my desk, and 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 a business that was digging up and building the trenches that fiber optic cable manufacturers like us needed to put our fiber optic cables. They said we basically dig trenches better than anyone, and they sent us Chrome plated spades to make the point. Now somebody else would have thought, let's do a content marketing strategy and write articles and blog posts and podcasts about it. These buggers just sent us, you know. A Chrome spade. It was the most cut through thing you can possibly imagine when a Chrome spade lands on your desk. And I've had other stuff hit me like that. Uh, it, content is not the only answer. And, and direct mail and stunts and PR and sponsorships and product innovation and brand advertising and new pricing models. There's, there's all manner of ways for us to stand out from our rivals and to generate interest, to inspire action, to drive behavior in, in customers and clients. And, and I, I think that the, the industry, those people that can look at content, but also other things are the ones that are going to win. I think people that are caught in this absolute funk about, I'm just going to do content. I think you're missing something. You've, you've lost some art of marketing that our forefathers and foremothers had. So, yeah, I, 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 I it's going to sound like a total humble break. Yeah, I, I want, I want to beat a marketing award for content marketing. I've, yeah, I, I, I use content daily. It's just not the only thing I'll use. And, and I implore others to kind of broaden their horizons that do what I do for a living. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think so. Well, I think the, the key message there for everyone is uh, fewer blogs and webinars and, and more garden tools. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, that, that, that Chrome Spade was, was off the scale. I've had, I mean, I've had other stuff. I don't want to give some of the stuff that suppliers have sent me is just amazingly good um mm. you know really really eye-catching so um i won't i won't i won't give their commercial secrets away too easily <laughs> but yeah it's got a chrome spade like that somebody stole it i don't know where it went it wasn't on my desk the next morning <laughs> i was gonna say that sounds like a, a good thing to bring home but um <laughs> my, my final question for you today and then i think we'll wrap things up 
Um, you know, where do you think the opportunities are for creativity in, in B2B this year? Is it a certain channel like, you know, TikTok, do you think? Or do you think creativity will emerge in, I don't know, a new uh, new event formats? Or I don't know. What are your thoughts? So it, it's, I, I guess, going back to the basics. I, I, sorry, I'm just going to sound like a stuck record now, right? But creativity is just ultimately about finding ways to stand apart from rivals really is and, and to you know, find different you know, new sources of advantage and, and in a communication sense it's just about imbuing what we do with some level of feeling and personality and, and trying to evoke some sort of emotion it's just trying to connect with a fellow human being and doing something in a much more resonant memorable evocative way than our rivals are doing it so Whatever we are doing, whether it's on product enhancement or delivering events or on social media, we just have to find a way of imbuing it with feeling and evoking a response. And, and I think that creativity, that's what it's always been about. And I think that is the future of creativity in our industry. And, and you know, TikTok or Instagram or podcasts or video or whatever, whatever it is we're doing, LinkedIn by themselves, they're just channels to market. They're not inherently creative. It's what you do with them that counts and what you put out on them. So I... I think the future is not necessarily a new format of events or more use of TikTok. They're just channels for me. I, I think it's the, the winners will be the people that can just have the biggest impact on their fellow humans over those channels. And of course, how we use TikTok's got to be different from how we use YouTube. It's got to be different from how we use other. You know, the, the format, the creativity that we apply varies from one channel to the other. But the heart is just it's just about you know I, I think being able to kind of earn attention and inspire humans to act uh, and and just yeah, that's what I think is about that's what creative is about and I think it's about trying to find new sources of competitive advantage for the for our employers um, fantastic Brian was that too poor and I just said the same thing about five times then I think <laughs> <laughs> no not at all I think that's um it, well it drills at home if nothing else let's say um well I think that's about all, to, all we've got time for today um so thank you so much for joining me that's really um really great having you on um for all our listeners as well uh you know thanks for sticking with us as as always um and if you want to find out more about ignite as I say um just follow the links in the description and, and everything you need to know will be there so that's all from us today, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, buddy. Bye.